0: Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Last week, we heard from Kirk as he shared the story of how God redeemed him and brought him to a place of following and obeying. Then he shared some of his journey from being a heathen golf pro to working in full-time ministry. Today we're going to pick back up with the interview. Now I'm going to start about a minute and a half back into the interview, so if you just listen to it, you can fast forward a minute and a half and save that minute and a half and invest it somewhere else. Now today, Kirk will share a number of resources. Don't wreck your car trying to write them all down. I'll put them in the show notes for you, or you can find them on our website at luke5.com podcast.
1: So, uh, sought the counsel from one guy that I really respected. And he said, Hey, listen, if your wife's not on board, he said, "Uh, that's a major, major red flag. You need to just stay put. And you need to think about cross-cultural church planting, about reaching refugees, immigrants, international students, mobilizing on mission trips. And little did he know, he was pretty prophetic because that's what I did for the next 25 years. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's been just, um, John the Baptist said, you know, no one can receive anything uh, unless it comes from heaven, you know. And I think that's certainly a, a ministry. He was referring to his ministry. So I think that was a gift that God has given us in ministry just to stay put, but still uh, focused on trying to reach people who haven't heard. And uh, there are plenty, even in Oklahoma City, obviously some cities around the country even more so. Some places you would think not at all, but like places like Guymon, Oklahoma, because of the feedlots out there, there are so many refugees. I understand there are 37 languages or dialects spoken in the Guymon public schools. Wow. I know. And Oklahoma City, and we can talk about that some here in a few minutes. But uh, by
2: the way, listeners, if you don't know where Guyman is, hit (laughs) pause on this podcast and look it up. That way you can really appreciate what Kirk's saying. Look at the panhandle, the middle (laughs) of nowhere. Yeah. Sorry, James. We know that's uh, God's country, but.
1: My language skills or abilities are rather limited. So in a lot of those settings, you can use your English. I mean, international students especially. Yeah. And then finding a a person of peace uh, or a younger person, sometimes a student that can speak the language in the immigrant and refugee groups as well. Certainly the, the church planting, uh, planting, in, you know, simple reproducible churches to reach into these pockets of people.
2: Okay. Tell the listeners a little bit about your experience with Northwest and the chance you had to be a part of a church that was actively reaching out to different ethnicities and helping them kind of even have their own worship service or, or group that would make them skillful to reach people of their own, sure. you know, language of their own nationality, and maybe kind of maybe we could call this the Northwest years. Just- <laughs>
1: okay, good. <laughs> that season. And it was a great season. So when we really determined, we were in the IMB process for about two years before we really said, you know, we need to put the brakes on it. The guy that gave me some counsel. I didn't even know this, but actually he was offered the job I received at Northwest, but he, I didn't know that for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> it was unreal. So, so God was at work. So A mutual friend, and this is how it works a lot of times too, just as in salvation, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And so I was, when Karen and I finally made that decision that, okay, it doesn't look like we're going to go live overseas with our young family. We were in Kansas City on a mission trip with students, young people. And my, my good friend there, uh, Steve Dighton, we were serving in his church in So he said, so what's up with you? And so we really made that decision actually from Kansas City, if I recall, uh, or just before we went to Kansas City. But I do remember getting counsel from my mentor from Kansas City. And I told him, I said, well, I said, "Uh, we we know that we're to be getting the gospel to people who hadn't heard and cross-culturally. We don't know how that's going to happen yet. So he said, okay. And so we just kind of went on. Well, two weeks later... He went to the Southern Baptist Convention ran into Anthony Jordan, who was the pastor of Northwest at the time. Okay. And they were just talking. They were friends. And he asked Anthony kind of the same thing. He said, what's going on with you? And he said, well, he said, I'm looking for somebody that could coordinate a partnership that we're developing in Romania. At that time, 91, Romania had only been open about a year and a half or two years. So He said, also, we're looking for someone who can uh, plant some apartment ministries and apartment ministry type churches in the apartments in Oklahoma City is kind of a pilot project for the state of Oklahoma. Steve so said, well, I know a guy you need to talk to. And so that's how I met Anthony. And he and I really had a similar heart and were aligned in vision and all that stuff. And so they hired hired us. Again, another about 50% pay cut. We had a 50% pay cut from oil and gas to ministry, but God provided all along. And then from the first ministry job to the second, about another 50% pay cut. So you think, okay, 50 and 50, you're making nothing. <laughs> and it was pretty much that way, but God provided. And then Northwest was able over time to just go ahead and, you know, pay a normal salary eventually. But, but at first they couldn't. But it was exciting. We so we began to plant some apartment ministry churches. Actually, I'd been I'd started doing that in Yukon. There was an apartment complex across the street from the church that had a lot of people from you know a lower socio economic background than the church. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to even walk across the street. We began to work there, and then in another apartment in uh, in Yukon. So I had some experience with that, and then had taken some mission trips to Mission Arlington in Dallas Fort Worth area, Arlington. Great ministry there. So I had a real vision for that. And so that was a, that was fun. We just, we got started with that. The Romania partnership was good. Our philosophy at the time was about three or four years in a place where we had, you know, ongoing relationships and all that. So we did that. We did some, did mission partnerships in Romania, then Guatemala through relationships that we had, then in Taiwan, then in Bosnia, and then in uh, China. And when we were in China, we felt, okay, we can do more because I had taken the perspectives course Perspectives on the World uh, Mission Movement. Is that the right name? I think uh, it is. <laughs> I think it's
2: World Christian Movement. World yeah. Christian Movement. So if, it, you're, if you're listening there, that's another thing for you to go ahead and top in your Google that's is right. the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. It's a class you can get through some
1: churches, maybe even a local college yeah. uh, to learn more about what God's doing perspectives.org and you can find a class near you and they used to advertise that it will ruin your life for the normal and that's true. So we were in perspectives at the time and said uh, wow we can do more. So we instead of uh, partnering with existing missionaries, we took on adopting cities and we adopted two cities in China over the next really over the next 10 years and that was the most challenging thing that I think probably I did in ministry, but also most rewarding when we, when we would hear of, of people coming to faith and making disciples and multiplying and all that. The second city was very difficult and we're still, they're still working there, but that was one direction we certainly took with our global work, but then local. Around Northwest at the time, there was a lot of transition going on and a lot of ethnicities, different ethnicities moving in. Yeah. Really, there were several focus. One of them was that, and we took on a church planting strategy to try to reach them at the time. So pretty early, actually, 1994, again, through relationships, a a Vietnamese uh, doctor uh, contacted another doctor in Northwest and said, you know... I have a small group of Vietnamese. There was a, a Vietnamese church in Oklahoma City, but it was not growing. It was pretty stagnant. He said, I have a small group of Vietnamese that really want to reach the immigrants. And so short story is we were able to uh, plant that church in 1994. A lot of Spanish speakers, of course, moving into the neighborhood. So in 1999, planted that with a, a vocational pastor who was uh, working in a hospital at the time. He did a great job. And then the perspectives really showed us we can be even more intentional about planting. And so then since then, we also ended up planting a Chinese church, an international church, a Korean church, a Burmese Zomi church. We cut kind of co-sponsored, hosted a Native American church and then a couple of not necessarily traditional churches but not cross cultural churches either during that time frame. So, that was those things were really blessings too to see those churches. The goal was for them to be autonomous. Some of them went autonomous. One or two of them still mission churches, one or two of them even disbanded or merged with others as in the international church merging into northwest as yeah. northwest took a different turn. Another ministry that was man became a passion too was certainly international students. And I didn't initiate that ministry at Northwest. It had just gotten started, so it was just God's timing. A uh, lady by the name of Anna Jo Wilson was the Baptist Collegiate Ministry BCM Director at OCU. And she had just begun coming to Northwest. She hadn't been at at, uh, OCU very long, but had started a, a Bible study for international students and had a handful coming. She was she's from out there by where James knows about. Out there in West Texas, she was one of ten kids. She had nine brothers and sisters, and she was the youngest. She was a tough lady. And didn't y'all call
2: a, her Mama Joe?
1: Mama Joe, yeah. She but she had such a passion for international people and students in her role. So One add-on when I started at Northwest in 1991, Anthony uh, Jordan said, Oh yeah, by the way, we have this older lady that started international Bible study, and she's wild. And she's a loose cannon, and you're going to need to just kind of rein her in and kind of help her, give her some direction. I don't know if I ever reigned her in, which I'm glad I didn't, because she was such an evangelist and... I learned so much from her, but the international ministry began to expand. And um, that it seemed like that, uh, you know, I was pretty much destined for that with my poor language skills. International students have to speak English, praise God. (laughs) So it was good. So they were here. And so we saw a lot of fruit in that, began, you know, expanded that class to a ministry, had multiple classes, uh, home groups training ministry, trained others from around the state and region and in international student ministry. And it was very fruitful. And man, that was just a, a, that was a great time, great season. So pretty much those three things, the the local side of church planting among uh, refugees, immigrants even, and then and then international students was local. And then the global was, you know, mobilizing mission partnerships and stuff. So man, I had the greatest role at Northwest and just so grateful for that ministry those years and grateful for what I'm doing now too.
2: Yeah, I'm going to force the listeners to understand kind of the context of what Northwest means to me. That was actually where I met Kirk. Uh, actually, the first time I'd ever heard of the guys was I was at OSU and I had heard that there's this lady in the Oklahoma City area who helps host Perspectives, which turned out later to be Karen. Mm-hmm, that's right. And that was before I knew either of you and so anyways, had a, seven years there together mm-hmm. with you at a All Nations Church. That was great. So now you're a loose cannon. Now you're a free agent. <laughs> Can you rein me in, Dave? No, you, Kirk will not be reined in. Let's talk to us. <laughs> learned a, it
1: from Mama Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you're doing these days. Well, about a year ago, I kind of surprised Karen and I, but we really felt a release from Northwest. We... We felt like we would be there till about retirement age, really, 63 last year. But uh, I was assuming more and more responsibility that was not related to getting the gospel to people who hadn't heard, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, vital ministry for a church, obviously, pastoral care, uh, administration, life group, Sunday school work. All of that is uh, great ministry, but it's just not really my calling. So. I was getting deeper and deeper into that and just knew that that wasn't what I needed to be doing. Felt like, okay, in a couple of years. So I used the kind of that same thing, Dave, that that I'd said about vocational ministry. Well, someday, 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 surprisingly, there were several situations that arose. One of them was we had formed an education company to mobilize uh, teams into restricted areas. An education company. Can you say more about that a little bit or should you just leave it at that? It's a nonprofit education company to mobilize uh, English teachers to Asia. I can say that. It is how we got workers on the field in those two cities we adopted. Because the world is still hungry for English at this time. Yes, that's right. So the church member who had formed that company, he is an educator, and he contacted me that summer, a year and a half ago now, and said, I, I can't really uh, give any more time to this. I'm going to turn it over to you or disband it. I said, don't disband it. So we began talking about what that might look like. And both Karen and I said, we really need to pray about this. You know, is this the time that our season is winding down at Northwest? We don't know. So we began to pray. We prayed for a couple of weeks. I took two prayer days. One thing I do as a disciple is journal. And that's been so helpful for determining direction. Because then I can go back over my journal and just see, you know, direction God is leading and pointing. And you journal
2: daily, or do you do you go up
1: into a mountain
2: or anything? Or
1: sometimes on a mountain, usually just daily. Yeah, <laughs> every day. And some, you know, a few people said, "Hey, you ought to write a book." And I said, "Hey, I, I've been writing a book." And They say, "How long? Really? What's it on?" I said, "It's just my journey, and I've journaled every day for twenty years. A little bit, at least, at least." A little bit every day. And honestly, if I miss a day, I'll just go back and recreate it on paper.
2: <laughs> so okay. I, and I'm gonna, this it may break the flow a little bit, but I, I think a lot of people who are listening have tried what we might call the spiritual discipline, if I could use that word of journaling and end up with a row full of journals where the first four pages are filled in. Right quick, before we get back to your story, do you sure. have any? secret for any tip for someone who might aspire to make journaling a useful part of their
1: life and not just a box to check off sure yeah cuz it can be a box sometimes yeah i think the the way i do it is i read You know, in the morning, first thing I read, I get a cup of coffee first now.
2: I like that. Yeah.
1: And so I get my coffee and then I read. And so when things uh, jump out of the scripture at me, I write something down about it. A lot of times I'll pray the scripture. So I'll write a few notes maybe on the scripture or I'll write some prayers or if I'm my scripture memory review something really stands out to me i'll write that down so i just make a few notes most of the time i'll take you know i i I won't go any more than one page i want to kind of limit it somewhat a lot of times it's less but just a few thoughts and then at the end of the day i'll write down what happened you know like so it's a little bit of a diary too it's a you know look back over the day and saw god do this some some stuff's pretty you know mundane like you know uh, ate a gallon of ice cream and got sick or whatever, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll just write down stuff. But then I, the key to it, I think, and I don't know if somebody really told me this or just I started doing it. But then, um, once a quarter, I'll get away with my journal for a prayer day. Yeah. And as much as anything, I'm praying for sure, but I'm pray reading my journal too. And it's just amazing to see how much prayer is answered in a quarter. You, you forget it. You forget what you pray. You know, you yeah. got answers and you just move on. Sometimes you like the, the nine, uh, lepers who were healed and just kind of keep on going. Don't Whatever. turn around. <laughs> don't got leprosy. Don't care. <laughs> I know. You just don't turn around and fall at Jesus feet and worship yeah. him and say, yeah. thank you. Thanks, A so market and uh, I'll, I'll just finish c- briefly. A uh, market with, you know, nobody has to use my system, but I'll mark it like pink stuff means prayer or praise, you know, I'll mark it with a pink marker, yellow stuff, God speaking, you know, I, I better pay attention and then green stuff, go do it. Green marker, go do it. Green for go. Green for go. So at the end of that day, I use, I'll take more than a page there and I'll, I'll summarize with, you know, five or six things that, Okay. This is how I've seen God working. This is how I know God is leading. Uh, this is what I got to go do, you know. And then so that's kind of my to do li- list for the for the immediate future. Wow! And and try to get to it. And God's blessed that it's just been fun, you know. It really has. So so I'm addicted to it. So people say, "Are you writing a book?" Yeah, the most boring book in, that anyone ever read because it's seven thousand pages right now. <laughs> Twenty years worth. <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks for sharing. I know that's one of those things
2: that some people try to do and they and by by some people, I mean me, and they end up with a lot of journals where like the first 5 pages are and it's like, "Okay, do I throw this away? Do I tear this out?" But anyway, it's nice to hear someone plodding along and it's encouraging to hear a good story on that.
1: Yeah, it refreshes me, it really does.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh let's see. So, where were you? Were a, you transitioned, you felt like the right. Lord was speaking right. about pursuing a call, taking a direction in life which was consistent with what you've been called to do.
1: Well said, Dave, that's right. So we prayed for a couple of weeks or more, and it took a couple of prayer days. When I finished my, pra- my second prayer day, I said, I think my time, my season at Northwest is ended. Because also I heard a message in the Chinese church from Ecclesiastes 3 about that there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. And it kind of just struck me, you know, is my season over here? So God's word just really, you know, Bible says about itself that God's word is like a hammer, you know, that shatters the rock or fire. I go, man, did I just get hit in the head with a hammer? I mean, is my season over here or not? So I really began to pray. So literally I closed my journal, turned my phone on, and I had my I put my phone on silent, turned my phone on and see that I saw that I had a text uh from the guy that started the education company and his his statement he's not a man of many words, his statement was I can turn it over and that means I he could actually turn over leadership of the com- company to somebody. So that was our answer, so we knew. Wow. And so uh, since then, we have been focused on, on trying to develop that company a little bit different approach rather than adopting cities because that's difficult. That was, as I said, it was the most difficult thing I did. It was meaningful, but difficult because I was still the primary overseer from 7,000 miles away. And that was difficult. We had team leaders on the field. We had field partners with uh, IMB, but they too were two or three hours away because that's why we were adopting those cities there weren't any workers there. So our new approach with this is to enlist English teachers and then place them with existing teams where there's field supervision, that approach. So we're doing that that's the one of the global focus but the other thing is the the local focus of trying to reach, the Oklahoma City people groups which we have good demographics and there's good demographics no matter what city you live in out there that you can get from your like your state convention another good website is peoplegroups.info dave shaking his head cuz he went to a little conference on that you can get good information there and find out you know who's in your community we felt like okay is our time with international students winding down too and it one time we thought maybe a little bit, but in rethinking that, not really. So international students, immigrants, refugees is what we're trying to do to get the gospel to those groups uh, through like a four fields process. Perhaps you've heard of that. No place left, that type thing. So that's what we're trying to do to help plant some, uh, find some people of peace and try to plant some cross-cultural churches again, kind of like what we did at Northwest, but more simple, more reproducible, zero-budget type churches.
2: Yeah. One thing after this um, conference we went to with peoplegroups.info is for some of y'all out there, especially those who maybe have or connected with international people groups, you may use like WhatsApp. And I know there's a community of y'all here in Oklahoma City that you may not even see each other ever, but you're all connected on WhatsApp and you're sharing, oh, I saw God do this today. Um, hey, there's an opportunity over here for someone to, to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. So it's like you say, it's it's like, and obviously not like a complete church, but it's it's like y'all are doing fellowship and working together.
1: Mm-hmm. Networking Just, with others who have a same passion.
2: Cool. Well, is there anything else you want to exhort or encourage or call our listeners to like closing thoughts. The
1: floor is yours for any closing thoughts you might have. All right. Well, I love this podcast idea in the fact that before you can make disciples, which is Jesus' command, you have to be a disciple. And so I would say just be a disciple of Jesus, uh, obey his commands as he said, as he told his disciples to go, baptize, teach, not just to know, but to obey everything he had commanded. So my view of discipleship and making disciples has shifted some in the last uh, few years or or become more refined, perhaps, maybe not shifted, but more refined on more obedience-based discipleship. And so one thing that is helpful for me these days, I'm learning new things. I'm I've been training in it for some time, and you know, Dave, you were in the first training group actually in yeah. 2013, so five years ago. Wow. About a uh, yeah, it goes fast, and about a uh, four fields process kind of merged or connected to a T for T process training for trainers. Those two together, kind of a hybrid of a four fields and a T for T, and you're, I'm seeing a lot more of that out there now. It, five years ago, not so much because the four fields was just becoming a little more popular. But I'm really sold on that process. Not that it's magic. There's no silver bullet for sure, but I think it really tracks Jesus's message and his model, really. And so it's. It's just applying what Jesus taught his disciples to be and do. And then we see that through the Gospels and the book of Acts, both. So if you're not familiar with the four fields process, you can find out a lot about it. Again, Google, uh, you can Google no place left dot net, or you can Google if you're in Oklahoma City and it has some great tools in Oklahoma City, no place left OKC dot or just Google four fields, and you'll see a lot of stuff out there on it. But I think it's a a great process to make disciples. And if you have a minute, I'll tell you. Do you have a minute, Dave? I absolutely do. The
2: The only reason I'm looking at my screen is to make sure that uh, nothing messes up and we lose all this
1: great progress we've made. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, in in about a minute, this is the... You take as long as you want. This is the process... A disciple who's abiding in Christ wants to make a difference. He sees where the gospel's not being shared in a, among a people, people group or a place. So he moves into that field. How does he move into that field? Well, certainly through prayer, through really a Luke 10 process, looking for people of peace and then finding a person of peace and then also networking among uh, people to share the gospel with. So that's somewhat field one is the, it's the entry field. And then the gospel sowing field is field two. You're sowing the gospel as you're looking. So you're engaging people. In our case, engaging international people, wherever they are, we're trying to go there and engage them. Sow the gospel, some will receive it. Many won't, but some will. As they do, then you move into the field three, and it's it's messy between the field lines. It's not clear-cut like Oklahoma pasture with barbed wire. Field three is the discipleship field, and in field three, then you're helping new disciples obey the commands of Jesus. You're also using a three-thirds process where whereby you're having fellowship and care and accountability You're learning new things, but then you're practicing it, too, and with a high amount of, okay, what are you going to do with this this week? And then the next week when you come together, you've got accountability. So it's more group also. It can be one-on-one, but groups. That's third field. Fourth field, a la four fields, then is gathering those disciples in groups, whether it be a home group, a small group, a Discovery Bible group, actually that can happen in a lot of those fields. Uh, or a house church, a simple reproducible church. And then the hub of the four fields is the leadership development or multiplication. In every field, you're not doing anything alone. You're trying to bring people along with you. And in our case, we're trying to find that international person who we can walk along with, and invest in them, really accomplish the the essential missionary task of not Uh, being the the one to reach that people group, but reaching one who then can reach the people group because they know the language, the culture, have the relationships, all that. So you're trying to multiply leaders and then repeat the process. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell. And uh, I think the listeners would find it interesting looking at some of these tools that are out there that are, that I think have proven to be very fruitful, effective, and just simple. And a new believer can do it. It, as I heard someone say one time, if you want to multiply, you've got to simplify. And I have a tendency to explain too much and not model enough and keep it simple. And so I'm trying to, to get there these days to see what God does with it. Cool. I talked fast to get that in in a minute. It wasn't a minute either.
2: You know, like I say, you've got an open stage and we'll go as long as long as long as it takes to get it. So... Well, uh, do you have any close any other closing thoughts or
1: I think I had about fourteen closing 14 thoughts. Fourteen
2: closing thoughts. So okay. yeah,
1: I don't Dave. I appreciate the opportunity. Enjoy yeah. talking with me and always enjoy hearing what God's doing in your life too and as you follow him and you do. So you bet. Glad for the friendship and fellowship. Same here, Kirk.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I encourage you to look around and see where you can invest in the kingdom of God. If you live in a city that has internationals, and as they mentioned, you might be surprised where all you can find in international people. It's more and more just becoming a, the nations are all over the world. (laughs) that was dumb. The nations are all over America. So see what you can do to be involved there. Find some of them, invest some time there. They make great friends. They really appreciate it. And it might be one of the best ways that you can touch the nations for the kingdom of God right where you are. Remember to check out the show notes for some of those different resources that they mentioned. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. If you like it and enjoy it, uh, do us a favor and tell a friend about it. Thanks. See you guys next week.